Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Wonderful. Okay, so here, here let's find out why we're doing knock-knock jokes at church on a Sunday. Why we're telling stories about knocking on doors. Let me read to you from Scripture, Luke chapter 11. If you get your Bibles, you can turn to those or turn them on, whichever works for you. Um, it'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, Luke chapter 11 is the piece where Jesus basically tells his disciples how to pray. Let's just read through these verses and then I'll just talk to you a few moments about what I'd love us to learn as a church about this passage. It's Luke 11 verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place and he was praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, teach us to do what you're doing. You've been praying for ages and we would love to know how it works. And those of you who know the, the Lord's Prayer, this is the Luke version, but Jesus turned round and said to them, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. He was just saying, here's a great format of how to pray. And we could spend a whole week or series of looking at the Lord's Prayer. And essentially, people say it's like the teaspoon prayer. is what it's called, the thank you, sorry, please. TSP. There we go. A few acronyms coming at you today. All right. Thank you, God. You're amazing. I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. Please, would you help me with this I'm being faced with right now? And Jesus said to the disciples, he said, look, here's how you pray. Here's a useful format. Here's a tool. Here's a kind of a system that you can use to pray. I think one of the challenges of the of the church today is we all want the quick fix. We all want the system. We want the special pill. We want the special solution. We want the special app. We want the thing that we press the button and it gives us whatever we want immediately. We want the perfect body ready for the beach. I love the fact that all the magazines do the beach holiday look the week before your holiday. And think, oh, I'll buy that magazine. Because if I buy that magazine for £3.95, I'm guaranteed a beach body within a week. I tried it. The bikini still didn't fit. It doesn't work. We want this immediate fix in our lives. And Jesus did this whole thing. He said, here's how you pray. Here's some systems that can help you. But then he carried on. And this is where he tells the story that I told the boys and girls earlier. He said this, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. Just to get a little bit of uh, context here, as we've been talking about the last few weeks about hospitality, the Jewish people were known for their hospitality. What they would do is this, if you arrived into a town and you were needing care and a home and a place to stay and your animals be fed and your families be fed, you would just go to the town square and you would just wait there, and somebody would come and take you back to their home. That's how it worked. You would turn up in a town where it's starting to get dark. You just stand in the town square. A little awkward, wouldn't it be? Us English people would never do it. would rather be embarrassed and go sleep in the hedgerows. But you'd stand in the middle of the square, and people would come and say, Come back. I've got plenty of food. We'll feed you. We'll give you everything you need. Just as a bit of an aside, there was a great story this week, uh, an article, I think it was in The Guardian, Jonathan Aitken wrote this article about the Grenfell Tower disaster and the work of the churches and other faith organizations in feeding and clothing and providing for those in need. At one point, a local council official told off the church and said, you can't do this. You're not a recognized part of the community. 
And the church went, well, we're just going to get on. We're just feeding people. And you can argue over who's the right people to be doing the job. But we'll just continue what we do. The church have always fed, cared for, looked after people. And this story, this is a Jewish um, kind of, kind of uh, system of caring for those in need. And so he gets this point moment. It's midnight. And he's got people come to his house to stay. And he's got nothing to feed them. So this is the story that Jesus tells. You're in this situation. So he goes and knocks on the door. He calls out from his bedroom. This is the neighbor. He says, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. And here's another bit of the context of this story. In Jewish times, in in, in 2,000 years ago, what would happen is the people in a Jewish family would all sleep in the same room. There wasn't this bedroom for every child kind of concept. Everybody slept in the same room. And when the door was locked, everybody went to bed. When the sun went down, everyone stopped working. Everyone ate their food. Everybody went to bed. The whole family would go to sleep at the same time. Sounds like a miracle in my house, to be honest with you. But everyone would go to sleep. And so when the, 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 the neighbors was shouting out the window saying, I can't help you. My door's locked. My family are asleep. We have closed down for the night. We are not getting up again. Please don't disturb us. He said, I can't help you. But Jesus says this in verse 8, I tell you, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Your shameless persistence. Because of your absolute pig-headedness, he would go, oh, for goodness sake, you can have whatever you want. And Jesus says, verse 9, he says, I tell you, keep on asking And you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is a parable all about prayer. This is a parable that helps us understand not just how to pray, but when to pray and how to continue praying. I read the version today from the New Living Translation. It's a version I tend to use most of the time, but it's actually one of the best translations of this particular passage. Because you'll know the more traditional, many of you know the traditional, you know, ask and you will receive, knock and the door will be opened, seek and you will find. But actually, it's never just seek or ask or knock. It's seek and keep on seeking. It's ask and keep on asking. It's knock and keep on knocking. It's a continuous request. Two weeks ago, um, I was lying in bed. It was four o'clock in the morning. And the doorbell rang. Now, whoever thinks at that point going, who rings the door at four o'clock in the morning? Well, it was my 18-year-old son who just got back from holiday, and he decided that it was a good time to get back on the cheap flight he must have picked up, and he arrived back at our home, and I had unfortunately locked up for the night, and I did a little routine, I go around the house, and I locked up, and I always leave the key in the front door, it's one of my little fire safety tips, leave the key in the front door, so if there's never issue, you're never looking for the key, it's in the front door, but who knows if the key is in the front door, the key from the outside doesn't work very well, does it? So Zach came home at 330 and he came home and he, he put his key in the door and it didn't open. And now he's got a bit of a dilemma. What do I do? Well, he's a very kind and thoughtful young lad, is my Zach. And he didn't do anything for quite some time. He thought about knocking. He, he texted us. 
Yeah, that helps. Um, and <laughs> and he, he, he couldn't get in. He thought, what do I do? And eventually he thought, I know what I've got to do. I've got to ring the doorbell. I was up in the night going, who is ringing the doorbell at four in the morning? Lottie, who doesn't do getting out, went, oh, Zach, I'll go let, let him in. And off she went, a mother's intuition. She knew who was at the door. But Zach, if he'd have not rung the door, would still have been there to this day waiting for us to let him in. This story of Jesus told was all about persistence, about absolutely pig-headed, I'm going to keep on and keeping on. You know, this prayer idea isn't just about prayer of going, let's pray once and then say, I've done it. Let's pray for the Uganda team. Or they've, they're heading off once. Can I say, please continue to pray for them. Many of you in this room have been over to Uganda. You've seen the project there. You know what they'll be experiencing, the good and the bad. Please pray. Continue to pray. Don't just pray once. Prayer should not just be a routine. Wake up in the morning. Dear God, bless what I'm doing. Amen. It shouldn't even be a teaspoon prayer. You thank you. Sorry, please. It should be persistent, continuous, ongoing, gritty, adventurous, outrageous, asking for the moon, God, prayers. I think sometimes we pray too small, we pray too short. We ask and go, didn't hear anything. God's obviously said no. We walk away disappointed. And our loving Heavenly Father said, if you'd have just asked me a few more times, I wanted to know if you were really interested in this. I want to know if you really want to engage in prayer with me. I want to know if you want to grapple with this. I don't want just one-off prayers. I've written this prayer equation on the board here. Persistence plus grit equals results. You see, I believe that God is for us, even when it doesn't feel like it. God is on your side. God is with you in every single season. God is faithful. God is not a good God when you feel like he's a good God. God is always a good God. God is always for you. You know, if you have children, you'll understand that as a parent, you are always on your child's side. But how many times do your children tell you it's not fair? You know exactly what you're trying to do. And what you're trying to do is being really fair. And you're trying to teach them and shape them and give them the skills they need to get through adult life. But they just feel it's not fair. Our Heavenly Father is like that with us saying, I'm trying to give you the best I can give you. Please don't walk away midway through our conversation having given me a short, brief prayer and thinking I just don't care about your needs. I care. When we face challenges, God has not left us alone. He doesn't leave us isolated. He is trying to shape us. He's trying to kind of stand back and go, I wonder how serious they are. Persistence. The Greek word for persistence is this word shameless. It means a shameless um, kind of almost freedom from bashfulness. It says, you know what? I don't care what other people say. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep on keeping on. There's this concept of like going, you know, I, think, I think us English people, we don't want to per persevere because we just, you know, it's just awkward. We've tried once. The person said no. And now I'm too embarrassed to ask again. Anyone ever had that experience? We had the situation a few years ago where we had a student come and stay in our house. And when we met the student, as you always do, he was from France, we asked him his name. And he told us his name. No idea what he said. So we asked him a second time. I said, oh, I didn't hear that. Sorry. Could you say it again? And he said something that sounded like blubber, blubber, blubber. So I tried a third time. And after three times, we all know the rules. After three times of asking someone their name, it's now too embarrassing to ask them again, isn't it? So you now just spend the next two weeks not using their name. It's amazing how, in fact, even now in our family, we still talk about obba lobba. 
We don't know his real name, but we managed to get through two weeks of sort of speaking to someone, communicating with someone in their not normal language, not knowing the name. Because it gets awkward, we're embarrassed to keep pushing through until we find out what's really going on. This idea of persistence, it's about going past the embarrassment threshold. It's about saying, God, I'm going to keep on praying. I know it's taken me years to get to this point, but I'm going to keep on. I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping. I'm not slowing down. Knocking on the door once is not perseverance, but continued knocking shows Jesus that we're serious about what we're asking for. I wonder what things you've become too embarrassed to continue praying about. Well, I wonder what things you've stopped praying about because you thought, I'm sure God said enough of everything I've said. Maybe you're struggling with your health right now and you're praying and there's no answer. Keep praying. Maybe you're struggling because there's a member of your family who doesn't know God. You'd love them to know God. Keep praying. God answers prayers. But some of you want to see how serious we are about them. Maybe you're struggling with work situations right now. You're not sure of the future. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Maybe you're wondering your future ahead and GCSEs have been done and now it's A-levels or college or university. You're thinking, where do I go next? Don't stop praying. Keep on praying. Don't be too embarrassed. Jesus then told a second story in Luke 18, the story of the persistent widow to, again, explain to his followers about prayer. He said, when you pray, he said, don't just pray, but keep on praying. Pray like a persistent widow. And he tells this story, another parable. He said, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge, Jesus said, ignored her for a while, but finally said to himself, I don't fear God. I don't care about people. But this woman is getting right under my skin. She is driving me crazy, and I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the, then the Lord said, learn a lesson for this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting it off, putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. For when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? If the judge is unjust, but still gives in to the persistent widow, how much more will God give us what we ask for? We need to persevere. We need to keep going. It's hard keeping going. But if we want to see it answer our prayers, we must persevere. James 1, the writer, the writer of the opening chapter of James said, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And here's the bit we all love about this phrase. Perseverance must finish its work. If, if you haven't finished the task that God's given you to do, you haven't persevered through it. Perseverance is about going, I've done loads of hard work already, but still continuing with the hard work ahead. We don't turn around and point at our past and say, but God, I've done my dues, I've done my work, I've, I've prayed hard, I've, I've said all the right things, I've been to church, I've given my tithe, I've been a good guy. God's saying, yeah, but, but let's keep going. Because peer of perseverance hasn't finished its work. You've not become pure and complete, not lacking in anything. 
That's what James says. We need to persevere so we get shaped into who God wants us to be. The second word I'll put up there is this word grit. Grit. Nothing to do with sandpaper. This is about grit. This is about determination. What makes great leaders? There was a study done recently of the difference between successful leaders and unsuccessful leaders. I'm a bit of a sort of leadership fan. I read lots of leadership blogs and articles and books. And one of the things they've said made a difference between a leader that's successful and an unsuccessful one was not their qualifications, their education, their start in life. It was this thing called grit. It was this foolish determination, this absolute belief that what they were trying to take people into was the right thing. A lady called Angela Lee Duckworth, who did a a TED talk on this subject, said, grit is having perseverance and passion for long-term goals. It's not having a good reason, but just unremitting long-term capacity to moving something until you cross the finishing line. Great leaders with great grit believe they can achieve anything if they're given long enough to put it into place. Are you prepared to get your grit into place? Has anyone here ever done any kind of like marathon experience? Mandy Ord over here. Anyone else? Hands up if you've run a marathon. I can put my hand up at this point. Legitimately wonderful. It's hard work, isn't it? And often I say to people, the hard work is not often the marathon itself. It's the preparation for the marathon in the, the months of rain and darkness as you get ready for that one day. But marathons are these things where we have to kind of grit and determination and perseverance and we continue even when things are hard. I want to show you a short video clip just because I thought it would be fun. But it shows this idea of grit and determination. This is the story of Run, Fat Boy, Run, starring Simon Pegg. And this is a man who basically gave up on everything he ever committed to. He ran out on his fiancée on their wedding day. He ran away from responsibility. He ran away from jobs. And his potential future wife said to him, if you want to get married, if you're serious about our relationship, then let's see if you can run the London Marathon. And if you can complete it, then I might consider our relationship worth enduring and going for together. So this is the middle of the marathon. He's been tripped over. He's hurt his leg. He has 10 miles left, and he's been running for 10 hours. 10 hours. And those who run a marathon, after eight hours, they close all the roads or they open all the roads up again. It's not a very pleasant thing to be doing. So if we can show this little video here of uh, Run, Fat Boy, Run. Makes you want to watch the film, doesn't it? It's a great film. Recommend it to you. But there's this idea, this hitting the wall. If you have that experience, I had it 19 miles into the London Marathon, both legs cramping up, everything in you wants to stop. But you have to remind yourself all the things you've gone through to get to the place you've get, you are and what is ahead of you if you achieve what you're trying to do. We need to have grit in our prayer life. We need to grit our teeth and say, I know I've been here before, God. I know I've asked this before, but I'm determined. I'm determined to see this through. Great leaders had grit. Winston Churchill had grit. Nelson Mandela locked up in a, a prison cell had grit. Every great leader has it. Without you, you will never push past the challenges we all face. You know, one of the things I believe is a, I've got to be careful not to go off topic here. But one of the challenges I think today is bringing up our children and our young people to give them the grit and determination to achieve the things they need to be achieving. I look around and often our young people, maybe the millennials, want to give up when it gets too hard. It's just a bit... Oh, it's a bit hard. There must be an app that does that for me. There must be some other mug who would rather do that job that I don't really fancy doing. 
challenges may be too tough. They haven't ever faced a tough challenge before. And our job as parents and as followers of Christ is to help people through tough times, not to take the tough times away from them. Sometimes as a church leader, I get people come to me with their problems. And what they're really saying is, please, could you take this problem away? Please, could you fix it for me? And here's a bit of honesty for you. There's something within me that loves to fix problems. But what I've learned is, if I fix your problem, A, it's not your problem, it's now my problem, and you've learned nothing. And you'll be back to me within six months going, I've got that problem again, Sim. Could you do what you did last time and take it away? Could you fix it for me? And I've learned over the years that every time I've fixed a problem, I've never fixed a problem. I've just delayed the real problem coming back again. And I've done things in my past where I've taken, I've let people off the hook because I thought I've been kind. Actually, I've not done them a favor at all. I've just delayed the opportunity for them to learn something to another point in their future. And they'll get to a point, they go, I've had this before. I've had this experience. Why have I not learned my experience? People don't learn from experience. People learn through assessing the experience they're going through. Because I've met too many people who've had experiences and had experience and had experience and they're still making the same mistakes. They don't learn. They just keep having experiences. We need to make sure we're having grit and we shape one another up and we allow one another to go through difficult times. Our job is not to rescue people. Our job is to walk alongside people. It's your wall to break through, but it's my job to support you breaking through that wall. And when you're in your, your times of prayer and you're determined and you're grit and you're persevering, you're standing in front of God, my job is not to say, don't you worry, I'll do your praying for you. Email me your needs and I'll deliver it on a Monday morning. You pray, but ask me to pray with you, pray for you, not instead of you or in your place. Let's be people of grit. Let's be people to go beyond our comfort zones. If you've ever been to the gym and had to work out and understand that the time where it's hardest is the time where you start to shape up the most. Where you start to get fitter is where it starts hurting the most. God sometimes allows us to go through difficult times because he wants to learn something. And maybe you're in a time where you're facing challenges that I have no idea what you're going through. Can I just say to you, God is with you and he wants to hear from you and he wants to work it through with you, but he wants you to persevere, to grit your teeth, to, to the Bible says, to, to set your face like flint. So where does my help come from? It comes from heaven, it comes from the mountain, it comes from God himself, the provider of everything, and I will be determined in what I'm trying to do. And you know what, this, this uh, chapter in Luke says there are results, that God is a good father, that God wants to give us good gifts. He says, you know, what kind of dad would give a terrible gift to a child who asks for something that's appropriate to them? And, and if, a, and if a, a sinful father, a human father can give good gifts to their children, how much more will our Father in heaven give you the right things? You know, when my children say to me, Dad, I want, and they mention something, it's usually just after the advert's been on television. Anyone else had that experience before? They're watching their, their TV show and suddenly up comes a new and exciting toy. Say, Dad, I'd love that for Christmas. And I, you know what I do? I shouldn't say it's my children in the room. I log it. I log it. Okay, we'll just see. If they never ever mention that particular toy or gift or thing ever again, I know it wasn't really something they wanted. 
But if every few weeks I get, Dad, I really would love that. Dad, I'm happy to pay something towards it. Dad, I've, I've, I've seen this thing and I, I, th- I found the place. I've researched it online. I've looked into it. And there's interest and there's enthusiasm and there's persistence and there's grit. As a dad, if I think it's good for them and appropriate, I might go, you know what? I've been impressed with the way they keep on asking it appropriately. I would like to give them something that they would like to have. That's what our Father God is like. He wants us to be persistent. If our prayers that we are aiming for are easy, we don't need God. Can I say, aim higher with your prayers. If you're swimming in the shallow end, you can just walk. But if you swim in the deep end, you really have to swim and rely upon your ability to swim. Make sure you're praying well above your natural ability. to. Don't pray for things you can do yourself. Pray for things that only God can do. Go into adventurous prayer. Prayer is part listening, part action. Don't just talk to God. Do something with what you believe God is saying to you. Listen to what he said. That well-known phrase, pray as if everything relies on God. Act as if everything relies on you. Keep persisting. Keep praying. Many of you know this year, in our year of adventure, we've been saying keep praying about a possible uh, land or building for us as Freedom Church. Can I say, you may, some of you I know have said to me, we've done this for years, Tim. For years we've been hoping for a home for Freedom Church. For years we've been hoping maybe one day could be possibly. Can I say, please keep praying. We're having conversations. I can't say much more. We're talking about stuff. Please persist in your prayer. Say, God, will you come through? Will you provide us something that's going to blow our minds? More than we can ever ask or imagine. Because that's what the God says to us in Ephesians 3. He will give us more than we can ever ask or imagine. Keep praying. We may have asked for it for years. But keep persisting. Keep being full of grit and determination, and let's believe that God will answer our prayers. I want to challenge you today as I bring this to a close. What have you given up on in prayer? What have you stopped praying about because you thought God had given up on you? What have you given up on because you thought God had given up on you? What is the thing you need to pick up out of your prayer closet they talk about, or prayer drawer, whatever you have in your list of prayers? What do you start praying about again? Who should you be praying for? What should you be praying for? What are the opportunities for you to speak into? Let's start knocking on the good door again. Let's start asking. Not this polite Christian. We do this weird English thing. God, if you wouldn't mind. I know you're very busy, God, but could you possibly just, if it's okay with, if it's okay with you, love that one. If it's okay with you, God, yeah, it's going to be okay with him. He will make the final decision. Let's be confident in our prayers and confident in our asking to ask, to seek not like one of my kids do when they go, Dad, I can't find my other shoe. And they're walking around with one shoe on. I can't find it. Have you looked in your bedroom? Yeah, I looked in my bedroom. It's not in there. I walk in the bedroom. There it is underneath the bed. When you seek, seek, keep seeking. Look hard. Say, God, I'm looking for you. Ask. Don't be polite. Seek. Not like a kid in the bedroom. Knock. And not just a gentle knocking, but a knocking of hammering of the doors of heaven. And say, God, I really mean this. I want you to break in. Push, pray until something happens. Let's not be people who give up in our prayer life, but people who persist and keep on going. Let's stand, shall we, and pray together as a church for a handover to the worship team. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.